0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Founders Ascent. Uh, I'm super excited today because we are joined by Adriana Tika, a three-time solopreneur with 15 years, more than 15 years experience in marketing. And she's co- joining us all the way from Romania to share her tips on newsletter marketing in 2024, everything from starting a newsletter to growing and scaling it. And we're just so very thankful that you're here, Adriana. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, BJ. Hey, Gavin. Th- thanks for having me. Let's dig in, it's a topic that I'm super, uh, I'm super into right now, I'm very bullish on newsletters, so uh, I suggest your invitation immediately. Yes.
0: We're looking forward to this as well. I, I've often thought that maybe Founders Ascent could use a newsletter on top, but this will help us decide whether it's right for us or, and how we would go about that, and so like, this is something that I know for sure we're definitely going to use ourselves. Um, which is always great for an episode. But before we talk about like how to actually like build a newsletter, what got you interested in marketing? What got you interested in newsletter marketing? Uh, Sort of where where do you think this comes from with you?
1: Oh, uh, it's a really old story. I was first interested in advertising back when I was in high school because um, I had a natural knack for understanding people and uh, what makes them tick, click or buy. And I went on to study communication and uh, PR. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in communication and PR. And then I morphed into marketing because I, I got a job um, running the marketing department of a, of a tiny startup in uh, Denmark that was focused on smart homes, intelligent homes and so on and so forth. And I realized I, uh, I liked marketing more than I like uh, PR. Hmm. After trying in vain to get uh, another job in uh, in another startup or a tech company, I realized that it's time to open my own my own business. So I started my first agency brand, Aiden. we We offer content writing, copywriting, and strategy services to clients all over the world and in every niche. Then I uh, spun out a new brand that's called Copyright Tech, and we only serve tech companies with that brand because, uh, I realized that uh, it was our biggest uh, our biggest market anyway and uh, a year ago I started my own newsletter that's focused on uh, no bullshit marketing and growth advice and uh, this is what I this is what I write about this is what I do I teach people how to build a sustainable future proof business
2: I'm interested to hear, like, why are you so bullish on newsletters and like what's been your experience with them? Like how how is somebody able to grow like an organization or some sort of company with a newsletter? Because I feel like a lot of people look at them, click on them, look at them for two and a half seconds and then they leave. So why are you so bullish on them?
1: Because I think um, social media is a mixed bag right now. If uh, I'm sure you're familiar with what's happening at uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter X and organic reach is dropping everywhere. So if you have a business and you want a way to um, surely reach your clients and your leads, newsletters, newsletters are the best way, email is the best way. So you don't necessarily have to have a newsletter that you send out regularly every day, every week or every month but you do have to have a direct line to your customers. And social media is no longer that because say you have a a million followers on any social media platform out there, any post you put out is probably going to reach a tenth of that if you're lucky and if you write a viral post. But with email, you have a very good chance of reaching at least 50% of your audience regularly.
2: Okay. Would you say it's more personalized or...? Because
1: it's your email. Yeah, it can def- definitely be more personalized and you can go well beyond their first name. You know, you can uh, you can create automations and uh, sequences based on your uh, subscriber's behavior. You can make sure they're not targeted with uh, campaigns they don't want to hear about anymore. Or if you see them click on a link um, for a product or, I don't know, an article you, you link to in your newsletter, you can send them another email going more in depth and so on and so forth. So you can definitely personalize this better than you can personalize any other environment, even ads. I mean, ads on social media or PPC ads. And so is there any brand
0: uh, that you think, or or type of brand, I guess, that you think wouldn't benefit from having a newsletter? Is, Is there any situation where it, this would not be a good idea, it would probably detracts from something else they're doing. Because it seems like everyone should have one of these just because you know, Zuckerberg owns your meta accounts. And so if you say anything he doesn't like, he can kick you off the platforms. And then what are you going to do? Saying Musk now has X Twitter. Uh, I, I think Bill Gates has his hands in LinkedIn somehow. Uh,
1: yeah, it's done so, by Microsoft. Yeah. Right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we've all seen those influencers in tears after Instagram banned them and practically took away our, uh, their livelihood. But to answer your question, I can't think of an of an industry that uh, can't reap benefits from from newsletters. Of course, it depends on how you do it, uh, what you send out there, the way you write your newsletters. But maybe if you if uh, you work with a government agency and your products are top secret, maybe you shouldn't have a newsletter where you spill out all your secrets. Well, why not? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you like your freedom, maybe don't, you know. <laughs> but if not, go go right ahead. Um, other than that, um, you know it's um it's always a good idea to try it, and you can see if uh, if maybe social media still has better results for you or if your your time is better spent on ads and and so on and so forth. Um, but even with the changes coming in 2024 uh, on platforms like Gmail and Yahoo, email is still the cheapest way to reach customers at scale. It has an insane ROI of, uh, ROI of four digits, I think it's 3,400%, uh, something like that, I forgot the exact statistic, because it's still very, very cheap to send emails
0: okay so now that we know everyone except james bond should have a newsletter (laughs) how does one go about starting one of these what what sort of would what were the first steps you took with building your newsletter uh that you maybe think people should do as well
1: well the first thing is having um a topic something you want to write about in my case i wanted to write about business uh, building a business the sustainable way uh, not with growth hacks, the growth hacks that you see everywhere on the internet and the growth hack, the growth hacks that never work unless you have a solid foundation. So I took it upon myself to teach people how to build that solid foundation. Uh, this is what got me started. The, uh, the tech of it is pretty simple. There are countless platforms out there where you can get started. You can, uh, you can use most of them for free in the beginning while you have zero to, I don't know, 300 subscribers. And uh, it's also very, very easy to scale. But in the beginning, what you need is to decide on a frequency, what you're going to write about and how you're going to acquire subscribers. This is what this is what you need to know. And of course, why should someone subscribe to your newsletter? Because everyone and their mother has a newsletter right now, because, you know, the ROI is there. It's very, it's very easy to set up. You don't need to be a, a computer science expert like yourself, BJ, to start it, you know? So uh,
0: yeah. And to get sort of specific, uh, for for the tools that uh, you might use, is is there one that you can recommend? maybe like a free one, and then like a paid one that you think you're getting the best value out of?
1: Yeah. So I use ConvertKit because um, I think it's the best platform for creators like myself you have everything in ConvertKit, you have a way to sell your products directly on the platform. Uh, you have the creator network where you can recommend other creators and get recommended by them, which helps you uh, grow your email list faster. And it's super easy to use. Uh, and yeah, it's an all-in-one platform. And But if you want to start a newsletter for a brand and perhaps you need more advanced segmentation, um, options and uh, oh, I mean yeah, segmentation options is uh, is a big driver for uh, e-commerce brands or SaaS brands, for instance. Maybe something like Active Campaign or uh, Mailchimp, Constant Contact. All of them have either a very cheap uh, initial initial tier or a free initial tier. On Comfort Kit, I think you can you can run your newsletter for free with limited features up to three hundred.
2: Okay. So Adriana, so I have a hypothetical for you. So if per se, somebody out there had a podcast and they wanted to start a newsletter, what would that look like? Because I want to kind of understand like what specifically people need to be putting in their newsletters to make it more interactive so that people are actually staying on the newsletter and are actually getting something out of it. Um, I guess ways in which somebody can help build a community using a newsletter. Maybe for a podcast specifically. Okay.
1: So hypothetically, let's say you you have a podcast where yeah. you invite founders, and maybe that podcast is called Founders Ascent, right? Yes. yes. So that's a good uh, name. <laughs> your topic is uh, founder stories. You can uh, you can use the the stories you collect via your podcast in your newsletter as well. You can obviously add links to every episode, but you can also create content. Uh, around what it's like to be uh, to be a founder, use some some snippets from your conversations with your guests and send them out as um, as written content in your newsletter, or you can create your own content. You know, you send uh, let's say you send your newsletter out every week. You can have um, tips and tricks for founders in various stages of their of their business. And then once a month, you add a link to your to your newest episode and so on and so forth. It's uh, because you already have an established channel, the podcast, mm-hmm. a newsletter would help you uh, create a feedback loop where you feed, uh, you promote your newsletter on your podcast and you promote your podcast on your newsletter. And this way you can you can um, you can have uh, users on multiple platforms and each of your channels feeds off each other, feeds off the others.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and so you mentioned uh, you alluded to this earlier, but it's super easy to start a newsletter. And so everyone has one and their parents and their dog and their fish and cats and bird. And so how how would you stand out? Like you seem to be succeeding like more than other people. Right, And so I'm trying to figure out, well, what's your secrets, basically? H- how are you managing to do better than other people at newsletter marketing? W- what makes yours different and how can someone else provide more value than most other newsletters? Because there's so many.
1: Yeah. So first off, um, I'm going to say that when something is very easy to start, it's also very hard to grow precisely because the space is very, very crowded. So if you plan to start a newsletter that you're going to turn into a link dump where you just cram affiliate links and links to your products and links to your partners, to your services, uh, yeah, that's not gonna work anymore. Maybe it would have worked five or 10 years ago, but but not right now. The first thing you need is uh, is a voice of your own. You need to stand for something and stand against something. Um, in my case, I stand for a sustainable marketing strategy, and I stand against bro marketing and cheap hacks that uh, that won't take you too far. You know, uh, this is what uh, drives people to to my newsletter. This is what makes people stay, and this is what makes people buy my products. And um, all the successful market, all the successful newsletters I've seen do something similar they have uh, they have something they stand for they have something they advocate and they have really really good content it's not something that you can turn out with uh, ChatGPT, chat gpt it's something that has a clear human touch in it and it has a personality you know if you open a newsletter without seeing the header without seeing uh who it's from you know you know when you when you read it because you can uh, you can recognize the author's voice
2: okay i would also imagine that the, the subject line in the email is probably really important and the first few lines or like the mm-hmm. header you were talking about is probably really important, too, once they mm-hmm. click on that email. So what what are pointers that you give or like concrete examples that you could use from the past uh, to help better convey that example of like what people need to be doing specifically?
1: Yes, well, um... Subject lines are pretty much like thumbnails, on, <clears throat> like thumbnails on YouTube. If they're attractive, people are going to open the email and they're, they're going to keep reading it. Uh, so it can be very tempting to uh, make uh, grand promises in your, in your subject line, you know, open this to change your life. Um, this is the secret to 10xing your business overnight. And it will get people to open your, uh, your emails, but only once or twice. If you promise you're going to help them 10x their business, you better be delivering that because they're not going to open another email and they will unsubscribe so uh it's a very delicate balance it's both an art and a science to know uh what to promise and how to do it in in your subject lines because you want them uh, you want to keep them catchy you want to you want them to be engaging enticing but also you don't want to be over over promising um, something you can do but again you have to uh, you have to balance it out is uh, use the subscriber's first name in the subject line because it's something deeply ingrained in our psychology. When we see our name there, we know it can be automated. We know that the author didn't spend hours typing in every name, uh, but still it's our name. It's calling out to us, You know, we have to open it. And uh, if, if you do this, if you, if you create this ultra personalized subject lines you can continue to do this, to do the same thing throughout your email, you know, call people out and um, use their first name or uh, talk to a specific pain point that they have.
0: And for doing that sort of automation thing, is that built into the, a lot of the software tools that you use to do this? Yeah. Great. You just
1: click on a button and it adds the first name of every subscriber anywhere you want it in the subject line or in the body of the email.
0: And so, um, with those titles, is there a title that maybe you remember you you thought, oh, this isn't that great, and then it way outperformed, or maybe just one that you can think of that this was like the best title ever written or something like that? I'm just curious what these look like um, when you're doing it at your level. Uh,
1: Yeah, so uh, I had one that's a bit of a mixed bag i use the subject line subscriber name i've been thinking about you and i use this subject line to to promote a product of mine an email sequence that's pre-written and the catch of the <clears throat> the catch that i used was that listen when you write an email you should be doing it with one person in mind think about one of your subscribers and write to them and only to them because this way you're going to um your writing is going to be more relatable and uh, more personal and I use the subject line, I've been thinking about you, to tell them that I've been thinking about them while, while writing this sequence. Uh, it uh, got a huge open rate, it was over 70%, but it also back- backfired because it was a bit too eluding and a lot of people uh, saw a bit of a flirty subtext to it, so <laughs> so they unsubscribed. But other than that, um, one of my... Uh, my um, my emails that got the highest open rates was uh, had a very, very simple subject line that said my three bold predictions about the creator economy. Since most of my subscribers are in the creator economy and trying to grow a solo business, they spoke to them. And because I used the word bold, they wanted to read this because no one likes to see bland stuff like, yeah, the creator economy is growing. Good luck, everyone. You know? yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that's really interesting through these tools that you were talking about is there a way to sort of um like split up your audience into multiple sections and maybe like switch the um, like the title or the subject line depending on like that sort of group of people I guess you would only be able to do that if you had information on each you know subset of this group but like is that possible (laughs) because it sounds like it would be kind of cool
1: it's possible. You can do uh, two things. You can add uh, tags to your subscribers. For instance, you can tag the people who bought a certain product, or um, you can oh. tag the people who come from a certain country, if you want to uh, create a locally relevant uh, content. Uh, better yet, you can add link triggers to your emails. If a user um, clicks on a certain link, they're going to be added to a certain tag, for instance, if someone clicked on a link to my product, I'm going to add them to a new segment that tells me they're interested in that product. And I'm going to email uh, them again about it. Uh, But once they buy the product, I'm going to remove them from that tag so I don't keep spamming them with the same message that's become irrelevant to them. And something very cool that you can do because you mentioned subject lines, is A-B testing that on ComfortKit and many other platforms is done automatically. For instance, you create two variations of, uh, of your email with two subject lines. You don't know which one is going to perform best, so you try them out, you, tr- you try both of them. What the software does is that it takes uh, roughly 20% of your audience. It sends uh, one variation to 10% of them and the other variation to another 10%. 80% of your list gets nothing. Uh, then the software pauses for roughly four hours until uh they see which subject line had the highest open rate. You can do all this automatically. Um once uh once uh, it sees which subject line had uh the best open rate, it sends that variation to the rest of your list. And it's all done automatically.
2: Wow, that's interesting. And it also accounts for time of day it's sent out to, I'm assuming, right?
1: Some platforms do that. I think um, you can do that on MailChimp. You can set it out to, um, you can set it to, you can set emails to be sent at the same time of day on every time zone.
0: Okay. And, and so you mentioned Junior's letter was primarily creators um, and people looking sort of in the same space we are. Um, how how do you find all those people? What what's your favorite way to reach out and get them? What's sort of the magnet?
1: Well, I have several channels that I'm present on. my my biggest um, My biggest platform right now is LinkedIn, and uh, the the best way that I found to attract more subscribers is uh, tease out the topic of uh, of the email a day before it goes out. I send my emails every Thursday. And on Wednesdays, I create a LinkedIn post where I say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to talk about the creator economy, or I'm going to uh, talk about how to set prices for your new products and so on and so forth. This is what you're going to learn. Three, four bullet points, subscribe here. And I I make sure to always add um, a screenshot or a testimonial from someone who's already on my list and who at some point said that my newsletter is awesome and it's worth paying for and so on and so forth. And this drives a ton of subscribers because they are interested in in that specific topic. Most of them stay on. Um, another channel that I use is the ConvertKit Creator Network, where you can you can recommend other uh, creators, and they can they can recommend you back. The way it works, it's it's pretty straightforward. Uh, whenever someone subscribes to Uh, My newsletter they also get a list of five other newsletters that I recommend and they can choose to subscribe to those as well I also do a lot of uh, Cross promos. I partner with other newsletter uh, Operators and we recommend each other either on social media or in our newsletters and um, I don't do any paid ads, but I'm looking into this for for 2024 because there are dedicated platforms for newsletters like Spark Loop and Refind, where you only pay if someone subscribes to your newsletter and if they're active for a certain period of time, unlike um, social media ads, for instance, where you usually pay for for click or pay for conversion, but you don't know if that subscriber engages with your emails, clicks, opens, and so on and so forth. So yeah, this is what I do right now. I I also... um, I also have a presence on X, but um, but I'm not as active there as I am on LinkedIn. And I come to podcasts like yours where I talk about my <laughs> my newsletter and invite people to subscribe to it. Okay, and, and we are definitely
0: linking that to that in the description, so everyone check out her newsletter, uh, check out her LinkedIn page, and all her other socials because uh, I we we were talking right before we started the episode. I mentioned a handful of her posts that I and thought were insightful especially how to spot fake gurus online um, and so like this stuff Adriana here is talking about it can be seen reflected throughout everything she's doing the um, and it's pretty cool to speak with someone who's actually doing everything that they were saying they're doing um, with sort of uh, with the paid advertisements and uh, the all the paid software it it's obvious that a newsletter can start accruing expenses, but it's also definitely impossible to make a lot of money from it through affiliate links, through all this other stuff. What sort of do you think is the right route once you have a newsletter and you've been consistent and you're looking to monetize and sort of get back some money from all the investment you've made in it? What sort of do you think is the right path to do that? Because you definitely can just spam it and instantly lose all your work you've been doing for the past 18 months. So, how would you recommend doing that correctly?
1: Well, I'm going to have to give you the the most hated answer in the in marketing. It depends. It depends on who your audience is on uh, uh, on the topic of your newsletter. A lot of newsletters monetize via sponsorships, but in 2024 I think that uh, the costs are going to be lower and lower for sponsorships, and it's going to be harder and harder to get uh, uh, to get sponsors and to to monetize uh, up to a point where you where you feel satisfied with with what you're getting. Um you can also do a lot of affiliate marketing, but this only works if you have a big audience if you if you write to three hundred people and you get one dollar per click, uh, say you have five percent click rate, it's not gonna take you very far, right? um the safest way to to monetize is to build your own products and uh and your own services that you sell to your list so you can pretty much build anything you can do digital downloads pdfs you can do online courses provide services in any industry or niche you can um i don't know even sell products via gumroad or other similar platforms even etsy has a um a digital product categories. So the options are pretty much endless.
2: Okay, I'm interested though, too. What is the, the average age of the the people that you're sending your emails to?
1: I'd say it's between uh, 25 and 50 right now. So um, yeah, and definitely over 30.
2: Okay. Do you think that, um, the younger generation, as they made, do, you think they're going to add to that market more, or what are you thinking? Because I mean, it sounds like you're very optimistic, so maybe, right? <laughs>
1: uh, well, I think you should tell me that because you're the you're the younger generation.
2: Yeah. You know? <laughs> See, like when I think about it for myself, because I don't really check my email that much, and maybe when I get older, I probably will. Um, <laughs> I think I will. The older i get the more i check it so honestly it maybe is looking more like that that i'll be maybe in a few years in that target audience
1: (laughs) yeah because you know funny thing happens when you when you grow older uh, especially when you uh, when you're over 30 you you want to cut down on the noise so you don't want uh the noise that usually comes with social media platforms especially um, platforms like TikTok, where everyone's louder and louder, and email is a uh, is a more intimate environment. You know, if you ha- if something gets into your inbox, it's not going to continuously nag at you. Open me, open me. You can you can just dump it there and forget about it for a month if you want to. You know, so uh, I think that's the reason why across newsletters, um, the audiences are usually over 25-30 years old
0: for me what i find myself doing is i'm subscribed to a number of email lists and newsletters and the like but i'll also have like filters to automatically dump them in a folder and i'll just mark them all as read and then three months later i'll have like 90 emails and essentially that creator has just written me a book and then i'll read the whole book all in a couple days and get all the content i want so Maybe I'm you guys' worst nightmare. Yeah, I stick around, but I don't convert forever. And then by then, I've probably missed some fantastic deal or something.
1: You know, I do that. I do that too occasionally because I can't open every email the second it gets into my inbox. So I I block off time to read the emails. And yes, I, I I know there are tons of creators who see me opening of their emails in a single day after i haven't touched them in a month or so because there's always uh, there's always a ton of emails in my in my inbox that i have to to catch up on yeah nobody has time for that and this is why i mentioned that the industry is getting more and more competitive because we're all struggling to get into your inbox but uh the space may be unlimited but your time is you know so if you want to get into people's inboxes and if you want to be read you're going to have to show them you're going to have to give them a reason to to open your emails. And
0: so with that, uh, with with people not having enough time, how long do you think a good newsletter is? Because it it seems like people want shorter and shorter content, but at at what point do you stop providing value?
1: Well, I'm a fan of long-form content and I know I'm definitely in the minority here. But you know, uh, people will binge-watch a show on Netflix for an entire night, or they're going to read *Lord of the Rings* the, the all the books. Uh, people may have shorter attention spans, but uh, if they're interested in what you have to say, they're going to read what you what you're saying. My newsletters are long; they're usually over a thousand words, and still, my my open rate is uh, close to 50%, which is way above. Uh, Industry averages, you know, in in marketing, I think the industry average is around 23% or 25%. Uh, but you have to give them a reason to stay, and it also depends on on your writing style. I have friends who run newsletters and they they write these short snippets and just add a link to send them to um, to another to another platform to read the whole story. That works too, but. It depends on on what you do best. My specialty is uh, is writing in-depth analysis on on trends, on marketing tactics, and um, it works for me. All right. So I was saying that long-form writing works if you have the chops for it. If you don't, stick to stick to short form. Also, survey your audience every once in a while and ask them if they prefer. Um, Long form or short form this goes with everything in marketing and sales. Ask people what they want. don't assume you know. ask them
2: <laughs> yeah it it, seem, it seems like though with the um the the long form content and the short form content like the there's definitely there's definitely two different groups I think um, it's okay it seems like the people that are listening to long form content already, like on a podcast or something. Would probably be a lot more inclined to, um, or even LinkedIn, because LinkedIn's the only social media account that I really use, and like those two, that those two groups would probably be more inclined to sign up um, for these emails because they probably already prefer that. And then like the other group, that on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, the people that are scrolling through TikTok, that really like that short form content, like that little. That small little um, uh, serotonin rush when they're um, scrolling through these little catchy videos and stuff. So I, and I guess the long-form content too would, I mean, it makes sense why your your um, majority of your audience is over 32. But yeah, I'm really interested to see if that that younger generation, the people scrolling through TikTok, I'm interested to see how they convert. It does make sense though that. Um, your number one channel is LinkedIn. Because I think that's largely adults on there too.
1: Yeah. But you're going to be surprised. I have at least one subscriber who's 18 years old (laughs) and is trying to learn marketing. That's Uh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) That would have been you, right, in high school?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Very likely. uh, I got into this like around 17 is when I was like, ooh, marketing, ooh, entrepreneurship and all yeah. this stuff. But I, I'm also very curious about predictions. Uh, for 2024 20, and beyond, mm-hmm. I, a, a lot of things are coming to mind. Big one, of course, is AI. Everyone's talking about AI. You seem a little more skeptical about the usefulness of it when in terms, in terms of like generating content. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, how much you used it or anything like that. But I'm curious what you think AI is going to do to marketing.
1: Oh, a bunch of things. (laughs) When it comes to content, it's going to fill the Internet with a lot more um, a lot more of the same. It's going to generate a bigger sea of sameness because um, I, I tested a lot of AI writing tools and pretty much what they do is that they rephrase content that's already out there. It's a uh, high-tech plagiarism of sorts, you know, uh, and it's, you won't generate any new ideas with AI. Maybe they're new to you. Maybe when you read it, you say, hey, I never thought of this. But if you, if you Google it, you're going to find it somewhere, you know. So uh, this is why in the newsletter world, for instance, and in uh, anything, in any uh, content format, your one chance to stand out is to have a point of view your point of view you can use ai to amplify your writing for instance if you're if you're not a very good writer you can use ai to polish what you say but you need to have original ideas because um people are going to get inundated with ai created content in every format it's not just written it's also audio it's also video it's also pictures and photos and infographics and everything you can think of can be done with ai but um I'm not skeptical about its uses, about AI's uses, because it can be a very good growth lever for marketers and for entrepreneurs in general. But it can't be your the only the only weapon in your arsenal, you know, because it's not going to produce anything uh, original. It can be a good sidekick, though.
0: I, I could also imagine you might be excited by. AI image generation. Uh, I I don't know if you're an artist, I'm assuming no.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In the same boat, but the the idea that you could generate your own image that corresponds directly to whatever it is you're talking about, and that could be super eye-catching and have massive impacts on what you do. Is that something that you're sort of thinking Well, uh, that you'll utilize more where the AI writing, you don't really want to use that because you want to stand out, you want to have your own point of view and not repeat everyone else. But for images, do you feel like that's something that you'll utilize more?
1: Yeah, I've actually been using AI generated images for some of my products. I try to do it uh, rarely though because... uh, there's a, there's, there's a big controversy around copyright with and AI copying images from actual artists, not like myself, but, so I try to use it as sparingly as possible. Uh, but for people who are a design challenged like myself, AI can be uh, a huge advantage and it can definitely lower your costs because um, it's much cheaper and it can also be free to generate images with AI than to hire an expensive graphic designer. But again, there's the copyright issue, so, yeah. Right. So what are your... What bold, do you think is... Yeah, what, go for What it, are then. your
2: bold predictions, though? Can we hear them?
1: <laughs> My and bold predictions next, about for what? For the what? next
2: few years, yeah.
1: And newsletters or AI?
2: For just newsletters in general.
1: Um... Well, I think we're going to we're going to see sponsorships uh, on the decline. I mean, the um, companies are going to allocate um, higher budgets to to place ads in uh, in newsletters, but overall, the rates are going to be lowered because the, the space is very is very crowded. Um, and because we just spoke about AI, I think uh, the gap between successful newsletter operators and everyone else is going to widen um it's going to be harder and harder to stand out from the crowd Uh, but there's also good news i i see a big rise in the um in the b2b creator space because if you uh up until now you usually saw b2c influencers who did really well on instagram tiktok but right now a lot of brands are pouring money into b2b creators to to endorse their brands And this ties in very well with uh, newsletters and podcasts. And yeah, as long as you have several channels, for instance, uh, if you were to open a newsletter, your sponsorship deck could uh, could include placement across all your channels, you know, social media, podcast, newsletter. And this is definitely more attractive to, to sponsors than a single channel, even when that is newsletter.
0: So I think we're almost out of time. Yeah. Uh, We've got a few minutes. Uh, but uh, So I think it's time to get into the rapid fire.
2: Okay, I have um, one more question, though. It's One last topic, question. Off topic. Excellent. But I'm interested in hearing your thoughts about SEO. Like what could a company do to help with search engine optimization? Like, Get, get to the top of the, um, the search. What, what, what are a couple tips that you have? Just for like a company, like I guess, just a random SaaS company.
1: Mm. So this is what my agency does. We do SEO writing a lot of it, and uh, the best way to to rank and to rank on meaningful to rank for meaningful content is to go for the long form keywords, um, l- long tail keywords, not the short ones. So the best example I can give you is. You should never try to rank for something like chocolate cake because this is very vague the competition is insanely high you will never rank for it unless you you throw a couple million dollars at it and even if you do it's going to be useless because what is it that you're selling are you are you doing uh, chocolate cake recipes or are you selling chocolate cakes in your bakery in dallas so instead of trying to rank for something really short like chocolate cake try something longer and more targeted, like uh, best chocolate cake in Dallas, Texas. This will get people to your bakery and this will get people buying because traffic in itself is useless. You need uh, qualified traffic. So long tail keywords, they are easier to rank for, the competition is lower, the search volume is lower too, but you can go for for the targeted traffic that actually converts into dollars.
2: So long tail specific.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Okay, Okay, we can get into the rapid fire now.
1: Excellent.
0: Uh, So these are six questions we ask Uh every guest, and we recommend less than 30 seconds, but that is a very loose guideline. (laughs) Very loose. Okay. Uh, we'll,
1: We'll get started with how much sleep do you get? At least seven hours a night, otherwise, I don't function.
2: What's your favorite book and why?
1: My favorite uh The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Uh it's uh <laughs> it's beautifully written. It's uh, the story is nice in itself, but I think I read it 5 times and I'm going to read it several more times uh because every turn of phrase, every sentence is a work of art in itself.
0: That is very on per. That is a perfect description of Oscar Wilde. I love his works. Yes. Um, if you had to start your career over again tomorrow with nothing, what's the first thing that you would do?
1: I would start a newsletter. I wish I had done it sooner. <laughs>
0: okay. Is, is there any? Uh, oh, I'm going to squeeze in a follow up. I'm breaking the rules here. Uh, is there any mistake you made that you would avoid? Having
1: when you started over with a new newsletter, I wasn't clear on uh, on what I was writing about. I was all over the place. I talked about uh, logical fallacies. I talked about uh, a lot about psychology, and I um, I didn't have a um, very clear tagline because I wasn't clear on what I was planning to do with the newsletter. If I were to start all over again, I tell people exactly what my newsletter is about, and why they should subscribe or should not subscribe. Excellent.
2: Okay. Uh, what's most important to you in life?
1: Freedom. I have I, freedom and independence. I went to, this is why I started my own business because I don't want to be dependent on an employer. I don't want to be dependent on a single client, a single revenue stream. I don't want to be bound to a single location. This is why I travel a lot. I don't always work from home. For instance, this, Uh, this fall I spent uh, five weeks in in Greece working remotely and yeah this is what I like doing I I can work from anywhere and I can work on my own terms.
0: Awesome if you could change anything about the world
1: what would it be and why? (laughs) Wow yeah that's a loaded question (laughs) um I would teach um, critical thinking in schools because I think this is what most of us lack. So then we end up uh, getting uh, tricked into uh, pyramid schemes online. I would teach people media literacy and how to distinguish between um, a scammer and a valid offer because I think this is an important skill, not only in business, but in life. In general, the way you choose your friends, the way you choose your life partner, everything. Critical thinking is a forgotten art and it needs to be brought back.
2: Okay, how do you want to be remembered?
1: As a critical thinker.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, gotcha. Appreciate
0: your answers. Honestly, I I think that is, like the most on par thing you could have said, because with everything you're doing, it's standing out against all this fluff and noise that's unnecessary. And so a simple two-word answer for how you want to be remembered and a Critical Thinker, that is perfect. Um,
1: So- Thank you. I tried to stay on brand.
0: (laughs) Well, we're very happy that you came on. Uh, I know personally, I'm gonna watch this episode like two or three times on my own after, uh it comes out because you gave like a lot of tips that i think personally are going to be very useful and so thank you for that hopefully everyone else in the audience agrees and um maybe when uh when they start their newsletters we can get a nice list of people that you helped inspire with this episode so i hope so um,
1: and if you start your own newsletter let me know send me a message i want to (laughs) subscribe
2: absolutely bj we're creating a Uh, newsletter okay we're doing it
1: (laughs) dude you know i i've had the templates
0: in, in a file